This is Brian Peckford. This is Julie Panessi. This is Zuby. Hi, it's James Top. This is Cabby Richards. Hey, everybody, this is Paul Brandt, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. I wish I had my sister's strength to wait. Deep blue innocence of all the saints But you came to me like a tidal wave My flowing hair was heaven to behold Taken for the sins that never would unfold A secret hidden from the light of day You got me you got me, you got me, you got me hanging on. Oh, 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 oh. you got me hanging on. Oh, 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 you got me hanging on. You got me hanging on. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Friday. How's that for uh, a start to <laughs> a Friday? We're off and rolling. Uh, at the end of the podcast, uh, Ostella busted out the guitar and and uh, laid it down, which I thought, why not start it out with that? How, how better to start a Friday than a little tune right at the hop? Anyways, before we get on to Ostella and today's episode, let's let's uh, get on to our episode sponsors, Stephen Barber and the team over at Upstream Data. They've got creative solutions for you when it comes to vented, flared natural gas and upstream oil and gas facilities. Or you can just hook up some of their cool tech, uh, whether you're you know out on the farm, uh, at your house, um, you know commercial sites, etc. They got these these different opportunities for you to to mine Bitcoin. Uh, using some of their different uh, platforms or different uh, boxes they've created, these these cases with uh, all the Bitcoin miners in there. Man, I got, I'm going to have to get uh, Steve back on to just break down some of the cool stuff they got going on. Anyways, if you head over to upstreamdata.ca, uh, they got everything broken down so you can see exactly what the heck I'm blabbering on about. And uh, their solution, obviously, is to pair modular Bitcoin mining data centers to natural gas engines, and together waste energy is converted into useful work and then monetize these data centers don't use any you know any costly utilities such as pipelines or power lines they're just they're completely off the grid like i said go to upstreamdata.ca and you can find out more Rectech power products for over 20 years they've been uh, committed to excellence in the power sports industry they offer full up including canam skidu sidu spider mercury avenue mahindra roxer and they got a full parts department that can hook you up with any upgrades or odds and ends in the maintenance field. They're open Monday through Saturday. And for further details, visit them at rectechpowerproducts.com or give them a call at 780-870-5464. HSI Group, they're the local oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make sure you have a compliant system working for you. The team also offers security, surveillance, and automation products for residential, commercial, livestock, and agricultural applications. They use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter. Stop in today, 3902 52nd Street, or give Brody or Kim a call at 306-825-6310. 
10. Gartner Management, their loyal uh, Lloydminster-based company, specialize in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs, whether you're looking for a small office or if you got multiple employees, Wade can get you hooked up. Just give them a call today, 780-808-5025. Now, let's get on to that tail of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals, delivering to your farm, commercial, or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca. She's an Irish-Canadian artist who's doing a cross-Canada tour via pedal bike. I'm talking about Ostella. So buckle up, here we go. This is Ostella, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. I wonder how many times I'm going to have to do this. <laughs> I'm joined today by Liz Pomeroy, or the artist known as Estella. Nice to have you in the studio. Hey, is, John. Is that, does that work? <laughs> that suffices. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, how, how you been? It's, it's been? it's been a few months since I last seen you. Mm, I'm good. I've been cycling across the country like a mad woman um, on an album tour and learning a lot as I go. And it's an amazing way to see Canada as a as an immigrant i've never seen i mean like geez i've talked to so many people across the country that haven't seen half of canada either but what way to like experience the country so slowly and intimately it's great yeah i uh, i can attest to that because obviously like i was saying back in 2006 um that's how we got to see the country was biking we went east to west so we hit the prevailing wind uh. it was that was no, that sucked but Overall, the experience was like unbelievable. How did you feel hitting the Rockies at the end? Uh, like I'm going to make them my bitch kind of thing. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. How did you feel hitting them at the start? Like I wanted to die. <laughs> but it was good training knowing that I was going to bust out the rest of the country. No bother. So it was good. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's let's give the, for the listener Estella. Am I calling you Estella? Am I calling you Liz? Oh, Estella's good. Okay, <laughs> I, it's funny. I call twos twos all the time, and he's got a real name, and so I don't know why Estella and Liz. Anyway, I'll call you Estella. It's fine. Um, for the for the the average listener, as I always do, wh- what's your background? You mentioned you're an immigrant. Uh, what is the lead up to the artist known as Estella? I'm I'm Irish. Uh, Grew up in Dublin, been in bands my whole life and came over to Canada to visit a family member and met a musician along the way, as the story goes. Long story short, um, I ended up uh, starting a band in Calgary um, around 2011 or 12. And that ran for about four years and we played like south by southwest and did lots of fun things and then I decided I wanted to go solo and actually learn like formal music for a change so I applied to Grant McEwen in Edmonton and uh, kind of bluffed my way out of a job with my boss and told him I'd already been accepted to Grant McEwen before I think I'd even know auditioned (laughs) and um, yeah got into Grant and went solo like year later after graduating and I've just been doing the Ostella project ever since and the name Ostella is spelt with a zero at the start because uh, I stand for zero waste and sustainability and that kind of thing but the name itself was taken from a PJ Harvey song Ostella 
but I jammed it together into one word because I like one word names. Yeah, that's what? long and the short of it. Okay, well, there's a couple of questions that that uh, that popped to mind. One is, how's it been being by yourself, like uh, solo? Have you enjoyed that? I've loved it. It's been really daunting because I didn't ever play an instrument before I went solo. I was like sang melodies and wrote lyrics over the rest of the band jamming. So I had to, I had to learn an instrument really, really quick. Actually, I think I had just uh, graduated from McEwen, took the summer off to arrange some strings and stuff for things. And um, <clears throat> coming up to the end of the summer, I got tagged by two separate people on Facebook because there was a venue down in Calgary looking for like more entrance for a singer songwriter competition that they were running and they had like a few openings left. And a bunch of people tagged me and they're like, come on, we're sick of listening to you. Whinge about going solo and never pulling the trigger. So I got like put up against a wall. And so I got in touch with the booker and I was like, right, well, what's your latest possible date? And he was like, 30 days from now. I was like, done. So I had to learn how to play guitar and write. In 30 days. Yeah. And write 30 minutes worth of original music, learn how to play and sing at the same time and do a cover and all of that. So obviously, needless to say, the show was rotten, but it was like the flame under my ass to get moving on this like solo expedition. And then I just hit like open mics like four or five times a week for the next six months. And then my brother was getting married in Ireland that December. We went home and the night before our return flight, uh, it got put to me again. And uh, again, sick of listening to you say that you're going to bring home a Canadian band or burlesque troupe or whatever, all the things I've been in over the 15 years I've been in Canada. And always something happens, like a drummer gets a hernia or someone doesn't have a passport or whatever, whatever, you know. And uh, so they were like, yeah, time's come. Pick a return date to Ireland because you're doing a tour this year I'm like deal okay so six months later with no website with hardly any original music written we just booked a return flight for the following July that I was going to do like a two-week stint in Ireland and the UK and so I got back in January and started a flurry of like putting a website together putting demos together emailing bookers with absolutely no press or anything like that just like again just baptism of fire um and uh, went home to do two weeks worth of touring, which involved bed bugs, car bombs, and a possible heart attack. That was good fun. <laughs> Did you say car bombs or car bombs? Petrol bombs. Sorry, excuse me. They were petrol bombs, not car bombs. I don't know what that means. So petrol bombs are like, you know, if you get like a glass bottle and you fill it with explosive and then you put a rag in it and you light it on fire and then you Like a Molotov Yeah, cocktail? that kind of thing. Like, yeah, petrol bomb. I think that's what it is. Yeah, give or take. What the heck? How well, do you pull... What, what do you mean? That, that is, doesn't seem like it's pretty standard. No, not really, no. Um, well, one of the dates on the tour was in Derry in Northern Ireland. And there's the Orange Order March every every year. And the Orange Order March, um, <clears throat> kind of like Breakout West, if anyone is a musician watching, it's like it moves host city every year. So sometimes it's Belfast, sometimes it's Derry, sometimes it's other cities. And so um, my show up in Derry was Friday the 13th of July and the march always happens on the 12th. And normally they're very peaceful ever since the Troubles quieted down and stuff. Um, and it's just an opportunity for them to parade and stand up for what they stand for. And um, my dad had just been released from a hospital having been the 
given the all clear for not needing to get a stent in his heart uh, that weekend and he was like I'm fit to drive you to Derry let's go I'm like okay fine <laughs> the whole time I'm like turning to him how's your heart how's your chest are you okay and he's like yeah I'm fine <laughs> And so meanwhile, I'm getting texts from like friends in Dublin being like, mind yourself going up there today now. I'm like, why? And I figure it out. And sure enough, the night before, everything had kicked off at that march. So there was petrol bombs being thrown. There was full on riots and all this. And like kids as young as eight being involved in the riots and stuff. And um, so anyway, so we arrive up in town and we check into our hotel and the hotel is like five minutes away from the venue. So we're like, obviously drop the bags and walk over to the thing and see the city as we go. And uh, the receptionist was like, no walking. No, no, get a taxi straight to the venue and straight back. Do not hang around because they had like, um, they had loads of people booked in the hotel, hotels through the town and everything that weekend, I think for lots of matches that were happening and everybody canceled. People were flying over from the UK. They heard what was happening everyone cancelled they lost like I don't know how much money that weekend but it was pretty wild and like <clears throat> the first thing that we saw when we came into town was all of the um the police trucks which are like jeeps but they've got like the mesh on the windows and um the the skirts for barbed wire I guess in front of their tires you know front and back and uh, I was like oh gosh yeah like things are really serious around here and we remarked on them to the receptionist and she's like no 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 those are just our regular police cars <laughs> okay oh perfect cool. cool um so yeah so anyway the taxi driver filled us in in the five minutes he had to drop us to the venue on everything that went on the night before and that was pretty much the long and the short of it yeah it was pretty wild. how was the venue that night was it the like venue was killer it was so good um it was just like full of indie bands from around town and uh it was jammers too um yeah it was fantastic great vibe like after they were done throwing their <laughs> their petrol bombs outside, they they just rolled in, had a couple of pints, listened to some music, and and left. Uh, well, I doubt the musicians were at that. <laughs> they were probably on a whole different schedule. <laughs> how's the how's um you know immigrating from uh, uh, Ireland to Canada, and especially the last couple of years? Like how many how many years ago did you immigrate? I've been here fifteen years. Okay, and, fifteen years. Yeah. So it's been long enough. Yeah. Um. How how has the last two years played out? Like being here in Canada and then having family over there and like, you know, everybody talks. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty hard. I'm not going to lie. Borders closed down uh, just last October too. So we generally see each other once every two years anyway. So more or less still fit that mold. Um, but it's been hard, like, you know, not being able to go and see your family, especially when my brother is having his kids for the first time and stuff like that. Like they're the first grandkids in the family. So yeah, tough watching them grow on Zoom and stuff, but I think we're on the other side of it. So onwards and upwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now back to, now back to this idea of biking across Canada. Um, a kudos to you because I'm like, that's uh, being a guy who's done it before. It's no small feat. Mm. Um, of course, we got James Top right now, who is literally walking across the country like the guy is a machine. Mm. Uh, but regardless, uh, to bike it, uh, especially pulling a little trailer and all your stuff and and rolling across, how has been you know like hitting all like I assume 
it has to be one of the coolest experiences ever because the difference between even us to you would be, A, I wasn't seeking out people to go play for and find all these little venues. I was hopping into like libraries and little pubs and, you know, like use back then using the internet at a library so you could send off an email and let everybody know you're all right. And and then, of course, you, you know, testing out the, the different beverages at the local establishments across the country. Um, what's it been like uh, in, in so far, you know, Western Canada for you? It's been, um, it's been sublime. Like there's been a lot of moments where, yeah, I'm just, just saying, wow, wow, wow. It is as I cycle through mountain ranges. Like it's incredible. And then just the difference from like, it was initially really, really comforting to be back in BC because it's so lush and green and it's like being in Ireland you know so that felt amazing the only stinger is that there's bears in the brush you know so like you're kind of like calling round corners waiting for a bear to maybe jump out at you and the minute I cross the border into Alberta and everything just opens up I immediately felt like ecstatic to be back in Alberta but also you know somewhat misguidedly instantly safe you know I was like hooray at least if there's a threat I can see it coming now you know (laughs) and I like strolled into the first campsite and I was all like delighted about the fact I wasn't gonna have to babysit my food anymore and the first sign I saw when I got into the campsite was like a thing of a grizzly bear like you're still in bear country I'm like oh fuck I know I am (laughs) I guess I had to go look after all that but it's been really amazing I think I'm really extra thankful that I'm doing it this side of the pandemic too because I'm getting to see a part of the country I would never have seen before um for instance I was in a town and I was just minding my own business busking singing some songs and the town had just been filming a car commercial earlier that weekend so there was still film crew around town and one of these lads came by he reads my trailer and he's like, going cross country, are you? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, you tell Justin for me that like enough bullshit, blah, blah, or we'll end up on his lawn. And I was like, mm-hmm, sure, I'll let him know when I see him. <laughs> and then I was like, cool, like grand interaction and all that. And uh, again, later on, uh, I was crossing the green and he was in the middle of it and he yelled right across the field at me. Don't forget to tell JT for me. <laughs> cool sure okay so but there's been an entire scope of people and it's been it's been really amazing like especially like it's funny coming through BC a couple of towns they all seem to have like the same theme in common with each other every story in the in the space of about four days coming at me from people involved a heart so like this first lady I met I was kind of dragging my ass getting out of town one morning and I've pulled into this little shop for a coffee and this lady comes out the shop owner because she's like intrigued by the rig and stuff and she's like oh gosh what are you doing and we get talking and she tells me that um she has always had like a bum heart and so she was on like heart medication her whole life she was on pacemakers her whole life and she gets to age 49 and her body just starts swelling because her heart's dying right and the doctors are like look unless we can find a heart you know, you've had a good innings. That's kind of it. And uh, just by chance then, they found a donor. And uh, I guess the young man was 
unconscious like brain dead or whatever and the mum happened to know that he wanted to donate his organs so she just made the call she got his heart just in time and so she always refers to him in her heart like by name you know she's like oh me and him like two things together and it's incredible she showed me photographs of like her old heart that got taken out of her next to like a generic healthy heart on the operating table in front of her and like her heart is like 50% the size of a normal heart and black and covered in you know fatty deposits and actually frayed like at the the you know arteries and stuff like that like tattered tattered next to this like cute little juicy you know healthy heart and then there was a picture of her holding her old heart like all like you know back to normal healthy weight and stuff so just incredible stuff and then she was like just just thrilled by the fact that I'm cycling across the country for the fact that I'm making use of like a healthy functioning body so she was just stoked for me like just like pushing on and using a body I was given that's working and all kinds of things like that and I like 20 minutes later I went over a bridge and then uh, it was hair raising and there was like semis coming by and the crosswind coming over the river uh, I had to like unhook my cleats and just like you know one leg it across the bridge because you weren't allowed to stop every time a semi came by because you'd come off your bike otherwise so I get to the other side of the bridge and I'm like whoa and I'm filming my little documentary you know and um, I get to the next town and I'm busking and this English couple come up to me and they're like, they read my sign and they're like, you're going across Canada. That's brilliant. We're back to finish our cross Canada trip. So in 2018, I think they were here and they were doing the same thing. They were cycling across the country and they were going across that exact same bridge and he keeled over unconscious and was bleeding from the head. She turns around and she sees her husband in the middle of this bridge and it shuts down the whole bridge and she's having a panic attack because they're in the middle of Canada with all their possessions and a husband she's convinced has just died on a bridge in front of her not knowing what to do you know and uh, just then a guy a couple of trucks back gets out and he comes up to her and he's like look you can dump your bikes in the back of my truck and you can come back to my family's farm while you figure your shit out and she's like okay fine so ultimately here they are again talking to me on their trip back to Canada to come visit that family that she stayed with while he was recovering in hospital from a condition that should have killed him on the spot that day on the bridge and he didn't and they'd come back to celebrate his birthday with the family and to finish off the trip in a little camper van because she was still like PTSD from cycling so baby steps back into the cycling thing but like fucking incredible stories like that you know that just and the kindness that I'm sure you experience that cycling across like it's either you know I want to think that it's just inherent in all of us and it would be there regardless but also I know lots of people are just like you know um living through us like you know um vicariously living through us um but like the level of generosity is just wild and it's such a antidote to everything that's happened in the last two years to be out on a bike especially as a musician and you probably know too you've spent probably the last two years in front of a computer screen having square eyes and like a 
headache right there from staring at a screen for 12 hours a day, right? And like your arms gone numb and your butt's killing you and all this. And just to be outside smelling the country and like taking in the countryside at a pace that makes sense to your body is incredible. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, every time I hear people talk about um, a different province, oh, they're a bunch of idiots and blah, 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 blah. You wait until you get to like Ontario and stuff like that. Because right, oh, West, we hate out East. <sighs> and uh, some of the nicest, most considerate people I ever met came from the East. Like they just oh, un- yeah. unbelievable. And you can find that kindness um across canada like i'm sure you can find it in lots of other countries as well but canada just like it's and i can just imagine now with the freedom convoy going and everything like everybody's on like red alert for somebody who's who's going across and and tracking it and your your story is so cool because i mean like who doesn't like it you're doing what now you gonna play a little a little tune here all right all right let's let's you know let's kick it off here what do you call it bussing is that what you're busking busking that's what what is that You, you stand on the side of the road yeah you, you're rolling into a town and all you do is... Oh, that's not all I do. But I, I know, that's, but... Yeah, that's a good way to like spread word that you're in town, for sure. Hmm, interesting. Busking. I've never heard that term before. That must be an Irish term. Uh, no, I mean... Uh, or I'm just, I'm illiterate. What, like every, like loads of musicians will do it. If you go down like White Avenue... In the summertime, you'll find loads of busking musicians, fiddle players, drummers, uh, singer-songwriters. They're all out in the street. It's elevated begging, essentially. It's begging with a skill. But you're out there entertaining everybody. And like that's like the culture of busking is second to none in Dublin. Every day you walk down Grafton Street, which is the main walking street in Dublin, there's buskers of all kinds. There's like... (sighs) traveler kids who are like i don't know if you know travelers in ireland they're like uh um itinerants or gypsies like kind of anyway so they have their whole own culture and own language and everything as well all i can think of is snatch and that's that's exactly it that's exactly like digs Hmm? you like digs (laughs) oh you mean dogs yeah like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, exactly (laughs) exactly so like their kids will be out busking and um and then like incredible musicians for instance like on christmas eve um there's a band in ireland called the frames and if anyone's seen the the commitments the guitarist in the commitments is a young glenn hansard and he went on to have a band called the frames and they basically were like this alternative rock band that blew up and then got huge in australia i think anyway i spent my teenage years living off of their shows love them so much but Glenn like you know sharpened his skills as a performer busking because you watch what kinds of songs people react to so you know what songs of yours that you've written are any good and you know how to make uh, build like a really convincing enjoyable entertaining cover set too by the covers that people come closer to you and stick around for and give you money for and all that kind of stuff then back in the day before amplification and little like busking amps were a thing like you'd be like dealing with the din of people going up and down the street and you would have to compete with that and so that would teach you you know, projection and, you know, crowd interaction and all the other skills that come with it. And interestingly, a lot of the time, 
security uh, personnel of shops up and down the high street will often turn to buskers and ask them for like information on like shoplifters and stuff like that because we're watching the whole time. We know what's going on in the street and stuff and we can tell them like what just happened or where a person went and stuff like that. So it's an incredible, it's an incredible way to spend the day and to like learn people and build your skills while you're at it and make some money. That was one of the things actually about lockdown. I had no change left ever because <laughs> I was never out busking. I would go to pay for something. I'm like, where's all my change? What? I haven't been busking for two years. That's why. So when you get bored, you're just like, you know what, honey? I'm going to go do some busking. I'll be down on the street rocking out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how people meet bandmates. That's how you get gigs. That's how people get discovered. People just make a little YouTube video of some busker that they found, then they blow up on YouTube or they get a record deal. Oh, yeah. I think... uh, I live I, under, I literally live under a rock. Oh okay. man. <laughs> yeah. Just go walking down main street in a big city. Any First day. time you ever busked, were you like, this is intimidating or were mm. you like, this is the most alive I've ever been. I really liked the anonymity of it because the double edged sword of busking is that unless you're any good, people won't give a fuck and they'll walk past you. And that's that's a big lesson in humility because you get up there and you're like, yeah, I'm the booze news. They're going to fucking love this. Here we go. And it's just crickets. Even worse still, it's everybody else's conversation because they don't care. They can't hear you or they just don't want to listen. And there's no money in your guitar case and it's freezing cold and you've been there for three hours. You're like, oh, better go home and practice then. (laughs) So, yeah, Um, the first time I did it, I can't even remember the first time I did it. And it's so funny, too, because growing up in Dublin and like walking amongst that culture, and the thing is the weird thing about growing up in Ireland is that like everyone's a musician right and like practically everyone plays an instrument or can play a song or whatever um and while I grew up in a a household that loved music nobody played an instrument I did the instrument thing for you know a couple of years during school but nothing ever stuck but we definitely weren't the kind of family to like jam or get together and have sessions in our house which was kind of common with Irish families And uh, so I always grew up like watching other musicians, putting them on a massive pedestal, being like, oh, I want to be you. How do I be you? And it was so dumb, too, because like I'd be out in the pub having a great conversation with somebody. I'm like, this person's brilliant. La, 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 la. And then the minute they mentioned they're a musician, I'm like choked up. I can't talk to them. They're way up here on this pedestal. And then, um, yeah, can't do it. So, um, Anyway, my point was that I always wanted to go busking when I was in my first band when I was 16 years old. But uh, my two bandmates were too embarrassed. They're like, what if someone sees us? <laughs> but you're 16, right? Like you care what people think. Um, so we never did that. So I think, <laughs> uh, you know what? It was, I think it was Canada when I first went busking, in fact. So it kind of made it easier because you're kind of buzzing on that whole, I'm in another country vibe, you know, so you're open to anything. And um, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I started busking in Canada. Have you ever hit like, uh, I, I don't know what it would be, like the zone where you're just like, you're just jamming and it's just, you got people standing everywhere throwing money at you because you just like, you just, it's your night. Have you had a, like a perfect night? On a busking night, you mean? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not true. Sometimes I have. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, they're pretty nice when they happen actually. Uh, but not in a long time. Yeah. 
Yeah, not in a long time. Thanks, hmm. COVID. <laughs> I was wondering, she's not from Ireland, so I apologize in advance, but like Adele is from... England. Your neck of the woods. I sure, just, sure. Yeah, You yeah. know, coming from here, you know, if... Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, we, we talk about Justin Bieber as being a great Canadian artist, yet he's, you know, he's further away than Adele would have been from you. Anyways, totally, yeah. are you like, oh, Adele's great? Or are you like, nah, that's not my cup of tea? Oh, I love her. Oh, man. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible songwriter. Incredible voice. Yeah. There's nothing to not like about her. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Now, going across Canada, back to you. Uh, I got to think for a, a woman who self-taught herself the, the guitar and how to sing and everything else, and you write your own songs, are you just like every night writing songs? No. No. That sounds ideal. That's really what I should be doing, but I'm fucking tired. <laughs> that's fair <laughs> you know <laughs> i've got lots of like <laughs> um i've got lots of ideas like starting to percolate in the background while i'm cycling <laughs> um but, uh, that's great honesty <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fucking tired <laughs> true <laughs> and i just wrote a record too so like i'm out promoting a record so i'm kind of in that headspace while keeping the net open for stuff that comes by i i feel like um what will probably happen on this trip is that my phone will fill as usual full of voice memos of ideas of stuff um and i'm also keeping like a voice memo uh tour diary where i'm just like speaking my day into my phone and um yeah i reckon that'll be really cool that'll be really cool to go back through i know i can't wait yeah yeah so i reckon like lots of phrases will come out of that and um i find um october onwards through the the first three months of winter are always my kind of writing period i feel really um motivated to to work then basically because it's you don't want to go outside really (laughs) i love like digging in the garden and stuff and cycling and stuff so all summer disappears to that kind of activity so on this trip where uh how long is it going to take you like how long do you think it's getting you know you started relatively two well almost two months ago yeah so you gotta you know you got the death country of ontario where it never ends i think you know when i i, I think back it took us 69 days 11 days of those were days off so 58 and of the 58 i feel like 18 of them were ontario or something silly like that it just was never ending i'd say um when are you planning, when do you think you're going to, like, when are you timing it for? Or do you have a time or are you just kind of seeing how it plays out? I'm giving myself until the end of September to finish it up. Okay. So I think that's doable. Um, I'd really like to be done by then because I'm planning on offloading all my shoulder weather gear in Edmonton right now. So I'd hate to get to the other side of the country and be like, damn, I really need that thermal right now that's in Edmonton, you know? Um, so yeah. I think that's doable though. We'll see. And you mentioned you're married. Yes. Mm. So you're married. Mm-hmm. Husband coming with you at all? Or he's like, have fun. Uh, send me a postcard. Yeah. He's, he's back working uh, in Alberta having a heart attack, but I've got like a Garmin in reach. So I, I send out bleeps like every, every night to let everyone know that I got to my place safe. So that's at least keeping the heart, heart attacks at bay. Yeah. That, it's it's an interesting you know nowadays it's like i don't know i was just it was just earlier this spring i was i rode i don't know what kid scotty essentially so a little less than 20k and people are like you did what 
Like, cause it, nowadays, um, with everyone texting is probably the biggest thing, right? Um, you know, we, everybody worries you're going to get sideswiped on the old, on the old bike. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I always think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen too. So I, I don't know if, you know, if the big guy wants you to go, he's going to let you go and there's not much you can really say about it. Oh yeah. I'm not going to sit at home and not cycle for fear I get hit by a car. Like I'm going out. <laughs> Absolutely. And the other thing I was curious about, are you like, since you're, you're playing gigs kind of here, there, everywhere, are you, are you doing a straight line or are you like zigzagging all over the place? No, like Alberta's turned into a total spaghetti noodle for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else was planned to be a straight line. Um, so yeah, mostly, and now I'm in Lloydminster, so I'm going to come down through Saskatoon. But then hopefully, yeah, just mostly keep a straight line up through, uh, you know, Toronto and then up Montreal and out to Fredericton. So as straight as they come, kind of, you know. Um, on your website, you had written uh, one of your records or was it this record? You'll have to clarify this for me. It was written for a family member. Yeah. Is it this record or was it a different record? So Pendulum State is like the main full record which isn't coming out until 2023 okay and that some songs on that have been written for that family member and that record was um built to mimic the shape of a pendulum swing like the arc of a pendulum back and forth so it get it starts out quiet and it builds to a loud and then it goes out soft again and then same thing thematically like it's like softer stuff and then it gets more aggro angsty in the center and there's like a keystone song right in the center um that pretty much like summarizes everything that's going on in the record and so i've split the record down the center more or less so the first half is called free fall um which is the one that's coming out this october and then skyward will come out next October and then the following month the full Pendulum State album will come out with that Keystone song included because that Keystone song is not on either side of the record so it's like just for just for Pendulum State that's kind of a cool uh, that's a lot of thought put into it yeah (laughs) yeah I don't know I don't know just a thought I had I was like this is what I'm gonna do Um, it's funny because a lot of my um seeds for ideas come just from writing grants for myself because I need to sound like I know what I'm doing you know so I'm just like yes and uh this album will be called Pendulum State and it will be about these things and this will be how I do it and then I spend a month writing it and then I submit it and I hear three months later that I didn't get the money and then I'm like ah fuck and then I get on with my life but unbeknownst to me that seed has started internally and then all the answers just start emerging over time I'm like oh there's that thing I need and that thing and that thing and holy shit look I've made the thing I said I would but you know I don't know I love it it's so organic and uh yeah this uh This record, I think, really needed to happen um, because 2019, after I brought my EP out, um, which is Little Yes, Little No, I went to Toronto for about two and a half months or so to do um, Canada's Music Incubator, which is like an entrepreneurial course for musicians to learn how to make a sustainable living. 
And while I was there, my drinking just went to a whole new level that I hadn't hit in a while and ended up having to make a phone call to um, Unison, which is, um, you know, like a benevolent fund basically set up for musicians. So if they fall on hard times, there's like, you know, a bundle of money there that they they can, uh, you know, request to help pay bills or whatever. But similarly, there's also a second arm that puts you in touch with help that you need, like if it's mental help or anything like that. So I made a phone call in Toronto one morning and um, yeah, they just got the wheels turning. And then when I got back to Edmonton, I was able to get treatment and help myself and stuff. And um, I had a family member that was, she's nine years old. Sorry, she's nine years younger than me. And uh, she actually is the reason I came to Canada in the first place. Um, when she was, I had just graduated university in 2006 and had done a long cycle with my dad to Argentina. And then she had come home to Ireland to visit. Uh, and uh, I made a pinky promise with her that I would come to Canada because none of our family had been to Canada um, ever. And I promised her I would show up in Canada before her 13th birthday which was that November so um I showed up and I met the Canadian along the way and all that shit so uh, (laughs) so anyway so uh despite the fact that she's nine years my junior uh she and I have had a fairly similar uh you know trajectory through life and she was going through it really hard in 2020 because she was living by herself she was fully isolated for at least nine months of that year and she just hit rock bottom she hadn't like been held by anybody no hugs from friends nothing and she had been doing great and just just erupted on herself and I got a phone call um one November morning in in Calgary from her saying that she'd just been you know uh, let out of hospital and stuff and she was in a bad way so I felt pretty powerless to do anything so all I could do was ask her to phone me tomorrow and the next day and the next day and let me know that she was still around and still doing okay and stuff and in exchange I'd have a song written for her each day and uh, so we just did that for a few weeks or a month or whatever and the beauty of that was that it became this cathartic thing of just right getting out of my own way and just writing and writing and writing getting really prolific and as a result of that this little channel opened up and I got some songs out of it that were really unexpected and tender and just hit on themes that I would never, you know, consciously go to of like motherhood and, you know, nurturing and stuff like that. So I have one song on there about like anti-bullying and stuff like that. So anyway, yeah, a lot of those songs came out at that period of time. Uh, So yeah, they, they formed just like a nice balance to the more kind of turbulent stuff that's on the record. And then also like during 2020, fortunately I had just signed up to um, a course in February of 2020 to learn how to write music for TV and film and synchronization. And so that was a six month long course that kept me really busy and learning how to write to briefs instead of like from your artist heart, you know, and uh, it was a good thing because otherwise sitting in the middle of 2020, it would have been like another day staring at my four walls. Fuck my life, you know, like <laughs> so, you know, no one wants to hear that. And so 
um, the kind of music we ended up having to write was like really upbeat stuff that makes you want to like buy the next new iPhone or like Nikes or whatever, you know. So it's basically like, give me your money. What way can I package it to have you have a good time to give me your money? You know, like so I ended up writing a lot of really fun songs that focused on like better times, you know, like dancing in gay clubs in Soho in London and stuff. And um, so there's those on the record. And then there's this other like nurturing stuff. And then there's this fully fucking aggressive shit and struggling with like abandonment issues about me emigrating from Ireland and dealing with all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it just turned into this big like melting pot of loads of ideas. And this pendulum just seemed to fit that whole thing. Hmm. That's a that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. You, you know, like uh, I don't mean in a bad way. I just yeah. mean like, um, you know, your family members struggling with everything through 2020. I just go, man. I hear that, and I go, I wonder how many more people would fully be like, I get that. Like, I get that. Right here, out in Lloydminster, I hope majority of us um, still got to. I don't know. There were some crazy times in there, though. One of the things that I always say, and I say it again, is this podcast became a real lifeline, right? Because I got to talk to people every single week. And I got little kids and uh, my family's all here. And and no matter, for the most part, as crazy as it got, I still had a group of people I was seeing pretty regular. And I don't think, you know, the, the bigger the city, the less... I believe that happened. Like, I think it, you know, like I had Kate King on here, the paramedic from North Edmonton. She was talking about going out to go back and, you know, they were, had curfew and, you know, they were pulling people out of houses and like, you're just like, like that isn't that far ago. Like that, that's, you know, a few months ago and that was happening, mm-hmm. right? Like that's within the calendar year. And, you know, you fast forward and you go, what has that done to society? And it probably hasn't been good. No, no, I think, I think this these last two years have like caused tears and scars that we're not going to stop seeing for like the next 20 or 40 years. Like we've fucked up (laughs) with everything like it's it's dark and not enough people have a voice over what they went through for sure. Not at all. Yeah. Um, And I mean, like, uh, yeah, like it's funny because you hear comedians joke about like or musicians too I was just at an open mic the other night and this one musician was like oh you know it's great to be back and all but I mean I I'm an introvert so I was I was happy the last two years you know but my all my extrovert friends they were finding it rough you know and that's a really good synopsis of everything even though it's super jovial you know like um I know lots of people that are just antisocial in general, you know, and they surely didn't leave their apartments. Um, And, you know, some of them were great. Some of them came through it and then I know others didn't. So and like, yeah, a couple of musician friends as well. They, uh, yeah, I know friends and bands that had band members because they were session players, right? Like the songwriters, I feel and producers maybe because they always had projects to keep them busy. But the songwriters, I think, probably came out the healthiest of all the musicians because they were able to articulate and they were able to um, just put their thoughts down in some kind of medium. 
but it's the session players and you know the sound engineers at live shows and all the people in the industry that you know your average joe wouldn't know about or see um i think they were the hardest hit because they didn't have any other outlet you know um yeah yeah it's pretty epic the whole mess um but again like you've got such incredible torment and sadness and 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 trauma out of the whole thing and on top of that then you have all this dark bitterness that's getting stirred into the pot and everyone's trying to separate and divide everybody and pit that one person against this other person and the politicians doing the same thing so that's why I called my tour there is no other because there's no fucking other like we're all the same and I'm so sick of this pitting against and like listening to stuff coming out on Facebook today over what's going down in the states over decisions being made down there and oh I just oh I'm so sick of the pick a team and stick with it mentality because it leaves no room for growth for anybody you know and that that pendulum swings right if you're like if you're solidly on this one side over here and you're fighting to get your way so it's this way for you when you're in power well sorry man like when you get that instated and power swings back over the other way it's going to be you know wielded against you too because you're on the other end of it now like everyone's so myopic so myopic so that's what I want to kind of focus on and that's why I'm staying out of venues so that I well I mean in fairness a year ago venues I didn't really see that it was my place as an artist to say you can enjoy my music but you can't today not my job so I wanted to stay out of that so that's why I focused on like house concerts and pop-up shows and doing shows at like local business and stuff like that and workshops and presentations on bikepacking and encourage people to get outside a bit more and off their bloody phones and stuff you know and um and it's been amazing actually because the amount of times that I've had run-ins with people already on the tour where I'm reacting in a certain way and then an alarm bell will go off in my head and be like bitch you're on a tour you named there is no other and you're throwing around prejudices already like and you're judging people and you don't even realize you are because now you're receiving information that's contradicting all your first impressions I'm like oh yeah I'll just shut up then and just listen just listen so yeah and I'm really excited to see what else Canada has in store for me because I don't think I'm done with my lessons and I just want to hear other people's experiences and stories no, I think you're in for a real treat because um, every province is going to teach you something a little bit new. There's always fun stories and fun things to see across every province in this country. It's a great country. Uh, how much fun has it been uh, getting to uh, belt it out again, you know, and have people not afraid to come around you and, and like, you know, for a musician for a lot of things, even for, for podcasting, right? Like this is a thousand times better than doing this via Zoom, right? Like could have done it via Zoom three months ago, right? We we could have. Totally. Um, wouldn't have had the same feel to it. You certainly wouldn't have been biking Canada at that point. Um, but for musicians, like, I mean, your whole thing is to play in front of a crowd. You know, it's kind of like comedians. Like the whole thing is to do it in front of a crowd. You're not going to do it to, well, I mean, people did it to a screen. And I mean, it was a way to kind of connect. But how, mu- how much fun or how like... Uh, I don't know what the word is, maybe fulfilling or 
something along that lines. Has it been to get around people, feel that energy, you know, going back and forth, get them driving with everything, you know, rocking out, uh, you know, whether it's on the side of the road or in the backyard or at a little venue, how has that been for you? It's been amazing. Like, I know what you mean, because, you know, when first lockdown started, about a month or two into it, I went on my first Instagram live and I was giddy as all hell because I was just excited to be performing to a little box on a tripod. I'm like, here we go and wait 14 seconds for a reaction. I'm getting a reaction. That's great. You know, and then that wears off. And then one of the last live shows that I did um, through 2020, I did three that really stick with me. Two of them I had to do in a mask and sing for two hours in a mask. Didn't love that. Uh, And then the other one. uh, You had to sing for two hours in a mask at a venue. Mm. Right before everything shut down again before Christmas. You know, that one, I had an elderly woman tell me at church they weren't allowed to sing. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know the poetic way to say this because there is a poetic way. But like singing is like. There's no way singing should be outlawed is all right. There's so much happiness and meaning in a song. I don't know how better to say it than that. Right. Like there's some way somebody can say it poetically. And for an older woman, probably 60, 70 ish to say, yeah, we're not, you know, like the only people allowed to sing at church are uh, in a choir as long as they're back behind like plexiglass while on. I'm like, like, what are we doing? Like we're, we are so far off the beaten path right now to outlaw singing, whether it was in a church or wherever else. I'm just like singing gives a lot of meaning to life like songs do. Oh, they do. They do. Of course. Like, like one of the greatest powers of songs is to give a voice to somebody else that doesn't have the language to put what they're feeling into words. Right. That's basically a purpose of a song. That's why we share them. That's why we resonate with songs. And, um, I know what you mean. Just the, and there was a lot of double standards in amongst those rules as well. And in the live music industry, like it was awful watching friends who were bookers and venue owners and stuff trying to decipher the language in all of those, um, you know, requirements and stuff that would change on the fly without any notification you know and they're just trying to do their job just trying to do the best they can and keep a roof over their heads and then and then we talk about people who are antisocial, right lots of people their only mode of socializing is going out to live music venues and they might be the person that stands there and doesn't talk to anybody but that's how they interact in in the world they take it in and they hear what you say and you know and and so that was taken from them there's there's um I told this story a couple podcasts ago, so I'll say it again. Uh, it was it was a it was a year ago. It was uh, May 2021. We were prepping for bike for breakfast, and at Fourth uh, Meridian Brewing, we had a uh, open mic night, which hadn't happened in because at that time you weren't allowed to sing, and we had it out on uh, the parking lot, so we could kind of skirt the rules, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cops show. I remember that, like the cops rolled in at while we we're setting up and uh, i walked over because i'm like you know what i'm not gonna hide from the cops i kind of want to know what they're gonna say mm. and so i was talking to them because at that time you're only supposed to have like i don't know four people to a table maybe and only so many people were supposed to fit and whatever so we were having it all outdoors and and the cops looked at me he goes well from where i sit you're on the 
you're in the parking lot. That's the city's domain. Have fun. I ain't gonna be back. He's like, I got bigger fish to worry about. I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. And then and then we had the open mic night. I hadn't heard live music now. It had been a full year. Like it had been close to a full year. Mm-hmm. You know, May, certainly through the winter, I hadn't heard any live music. And it had just been a long, a long stretch. I mean, geez, we ended up going another year. So like that's the crazy thing. But going back there, I remember people just talking about how good for the soul it was and how happy and there was just kind of like a lightness to the night and every, we were breaking the rules but not like now you look back and I, I'm just like we were all outdoors like socially distanced I'm laughing at myself as I say this like people were just there was nothing wrong with it it was so good for people right it was, oh, yeah. it, and and we lost that for two years like mm-hmm. honestly I mean sure we had a little break last summer like oh yeah we had we had a break you had a break but like for two years, like music is powerful. I brought, and I brought this same thing up. Daryl Sutter, uh, the coach of the Calgary Flames, mm. uh, said there's three ways to bring people together. Um, church, music, and then sports. Totally. And I think he's bang on, right? Like whether one speak to him or not. Music is just like, I don't know, it's so cool. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I remember... Um, Firstly, being really excited at my first like live show back with a full band as well, which was like last summer and uh, just ecstatic. And, you know, you come off your stage and you're giddy, you're giddy and you're right. Like you're watching everybody else and you can see people's faces smiling. And there is a like a giddiness in the air, not even lightness, just like pure school ground giddiness, you know. Um, But yeah, I think you start taking the, the the weird thing was that like. You start taking the humanity out of the situation when you start pulling away things like that. And I remember being really frustrated by the double standardness of it because some churches were allowed to happen. But for people who are like, you know, unorthodox or didn't have, you know, a religion, music is their religion. One could argue, you know, and similarly, sports could be somebody else's religion. And and yeah, to cherry pick who can and who cannot makes no sense and does nothing but stir people the wrong way like you're not doing anything to help so yeah I was really glad to see things come back and it's really special to be able to to play for people again now yeah well not to sound too corny but like the beauty in life people find it in different ways right Mm -hmm. and for a lot of well just music music is I mean I love all music I I got a very eclectic uh, mix where it goes from all ends of the uh, earth. I, I feel like um, I brought up Adele, but another one I'm thinking from over that that way, and I actually don't know where Florence is from. Florence, uh, also England. Uh, Welch, right? Welch, yeah. Uh, Florence and the Machine. Like I really, really enjoy that band. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say that, and then I also like I don't know, uh, like Kid Rock to Coldplay to uh, you know. I just had Paul Brandt on the show, right? A little cool. bit of country, right? Yeah. Like I just. I'm all over the place because I really enjoy good music. Like yeah. good music is like, you can't beat it. Nope. Uh, it, it, uh, well, once again, it's, it, um, brings people together. And I, I really agree with what Daryl said. I said when he said, I was like, that's bang on. Right. Because a good song, a good, uh, Mont, well, CBC or I guess, uh, Sportsnet now Rogers hometown, ho- not hometown hockey Rogers. What is it folks? I can't even think right now, but, um, their montages for the playoffs where they have, 
you know, the images of guys scoring goals and whatever and play a song. Mm-hmm. Half the time, it's not a song you would expect to be mixed with hockey, but it's so good. And it's like hair raising, right? Yeah. It's like, man, that's good. That's cool. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. For for a chunk of time there, we, we uh, allowed or whatever it was, they took a lot of humanity away. And that really, you know, it's one of the things uh, I, I talked about from being in Ottawa when the, the convoy was there was the level of humanity there was unbelievable like you didn't realize how much you missed seeing people smile of all things oh i know like just like wow yeah i, I remember uh uh a couple of people i met there just talking about oh, you, you got a great smile you should show it oh. more and you're like yeah isn't that the truth right yeah like, and but that goes for everyone everybody's got a great smile and we hit them for for um for two years yeah totally or and that, for a full year i guess yeah yeah and that was the thing was that like you know you go out for your permitted walks in the first bit of lockdown before the masks came in and the thing that I noted was how European everything suddenly felt because when you're out on a walk and you pass by somebody suddenly they were all smiles and there was like eye contact and glad and greetings you know where (laughs) I don't normally experience that much coming over to North America you know it's not really that common um And for a period of time, everyone was buzzing and just loving life because they're out in the fresh air and seeing people. And then all of a sudden it was like locked away behind masks, you know, and yeah, to get that back was it was amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Such a funny thing. Yeah. I'm glad to be at the end of it. Well, um, before I let you out of here, I always ask at the end. Well, I've been asking. I shouldn't say I always ask. I've uh, I've switched it multiple different times throughout the course of time. Crude Master has never changed, but it's the final five brought to you by Crude Master, and it's 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 he's words. If you're going to stand behind a cause that you think is right, then stand behind it absolutely. What's one thing Ostella stands behind? Um. Aside from sustainability and... Um, well, it can be sustainability. That's... that's Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's in your, your name. It is. It is. And like, I think the danger with things like this is that they're so politicized. And the minute you, as I say, um, you know, pick a side, then you're home clear with, you know, a certain bunch of people. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's more important not just to wave a flag around, but to actually make some changes and try and you know live by what you're standing for so that's kind of the point of this whole thing and then uh, also is I would have to say there is no other because this tour especially has has proven to me that like even if you think you're at complete polar opposite ends of the spectrum uh, from a person that there's always going to be something common between you that you have to be able to find in common with each other like it's impossible to find someone that you have nothing in common with and ultimately like that would be the coolest thing for me actually would be to find that like my music for instance is something to bring people together yeah to like enemies had in common or something that would just tickle me pink that would be so fun um when you well the 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 second part of that like yeah that's super cool well um i was once again was talking with um Nick Von Dubs about uh, what we want out of our podcast, mm. right? And I, I was saying, I, 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 we, when you start listening to so many podcasts and you start turning up the speeds because you you want to get through them faster instead of listening to two hours, you want it to be an hour and whatever. I said, 
I want to get to the point where you have to slow it down because the guests coming on have so much meat and you don't want to miss parts, right? Or you can go fast, 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 but you have the slow parts because you're like, I got to, happens to me, like lots, you know, I, I talk about different uh, people that I enjoy listening to and also, you know, I got to rewind that. And then you got to slow it down because you're like, I really got to hear that again because it's a deep thought. Mm, like that. And I, I really like that. Uh, for music, yeah, to, to have bring people together that's a powerful uh, a powerful talent uh, of music the sustainability one i'm curious about and i should have maybe asked about this an hour ago um what is it what is the the sustainability portion of this mean to you specifically like what do you mean by um zero waste well zero waste is a bit of a misnomer because it was a really popular kind of label about four years ago and even the zero wasters started moving away from it because it's so you know all or nothing that it's very intimidating to people right when you when you hear of that concept you're like oh god I have to throw out all my plastic including my tripod and do it with sticks you know like it's completely unreasonable but it's just easier to label it that um for me it's just it's basically like borrowing your friend's car you're not going to hand it back to him trashed. If you're a really good friend, you might hand it back having been slightly polished, you know, or something, or you emptied his ashtray. Like, it's just being respectful to where you're living and the spaces around you. And at the very least, just like opening your mind up to the possibility that what you're used to may not be the best way, or there could just be an alternative way to leave less of a damaging mark on the planet um, or just live more harmoniously with the planet. That's really it. It's to like view it more as a partner instead of an inanimate shelf we're living upon. You know what I mean? I do, but I am curious to hear more, just a little bit more because I'm, 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 I'm thinking here. There, there's two things that I, I, I'm, I don't know if the podcast has broached since it started. One is... Uh, anything to do with sustainability. And uh, it's been a topic that I've been curious about. Mm -hmm. And two, I'm staring at a guitar and I'm going, <laughs> I wonder if she's going to bust it out for me at some point because I've never had anyone uh, play anything in the studio. So th oh. there's um, one is I'm going to have to get you to do that before you leave as well. Uh, but uh, hmm. I, I, I guess I'm thinking... I don't know what I'm thinking, actually. I'm, uh, the, the sustainability thing is, is interesting to me. It's how do you convince people that it isn't all or nothing to slide, you know, to get closer to harmonious, but mm. not where there's... Um, you're a martyr. Thank you. Yeah, totally. Be because when you talk about zero, you're yeah. like, eh, everybody learned that was pretty extreme. It's like, yeah, and that's and that's how it gets framed, right? Yeah, exactly right, yeah. Um because I, I, a simple, probably really dumb one, but I'll, I'll do the dumb one, right? Is like, uh, I thought it was really smart when grocery stores started selling like uh, um, cloth bags mm. so that people could just bring their own bags. But that yeah. took, you know, you think about that. That took probably like five years for it to slowly gain steam to now when you go to, oh, I don't know, I don't know, probably most of the grocery stores. I don't even know if they have plastic anymore. I mean... I think it might just be all gone. There might be some paper bags there, mm. but like majority of them are like, everybody knows to bring your own bags though. And I'm like, mm -hmm. 
Overall, does anyone think that's a bad thing? I don't think so. I think that's actually a really good thing. Think of all the plastic bags you used to have and what did you do with them, right? Like, Oh, like you remember looking out the car window as a kid in the 80s and all you see in the winter are plastic bags in the trees. No leaves, you know, like certainly in mm. Ireland. That's that's one memory that I definitely have. Well, um, to answer your question, there are still plastic bags in the supermarket. And Is I had a really good conversation with a Green Party member up in Prince George a couple of years ago because she goes around town knocking on people's doors, asking them, like, have you joined the Green Party? And the minute they hear Green Party, they think zero waste and that's intimidating and all this kind of thing. So she kind of goes door to door in her community to educate people to being like, it doesn't mean like never eat red meat again. It's just like, what can you change today? One tiny little thing. Um, and for her own situation, like she lives with her grandmother who has OCD. So to come home from the grocery store with fabric bags doesn't work for her grandmother so she gets flack every time she's in her local grocers getting plastic bags for her groceries because everyone in town knows her and they're like oh you're green she's like no you don't know my situation right so Mm. she's dealing with something else at home that she has to do that and similarly going to like the outright banning of plastic straws I mean we all got on that boat because like you know we all saw the video with the turtle with his the straw up his nose and um but then there's also the um, community living with like physical disabilities that they actually need straws if they go into Starbucks they can't actually drink their drink any other way and they'll need a plastic straw because it will disintegrate before they've finished off their drink if they're using paper right so um, it's it's such an oxymoron that I'm oh Stella zero Stella zero waste because nothing is an all or nothing solution right because there's a lot of different people we have to satisfy and accommodate you know and even the concept of like moving away from petrol and you know fossil fuels for instance like you know the first and only song I wrote about this was called Wide Awake and I brought it to an open mic in Edmonton and played the first edit of it and it was very soapboxy and so I was playing it to an open mic environment full of Edmontonians who are all Albertans. And I'm like, down with fossil fuels. You know? <laughs> it went down like a lead balloon, you know. So, Boo. Yeah. So like um, <laughs> it was a really good lesson in how soapboxing does not work. And it opened my eyes because like uh, nobody's isolated from any of this like we're all beneficiaries of it somewhere down the chain you know so really yeah it's just um how can you make a small small change that can and you can look at it two ways will it benefit the planet or will it actually benefit your pocket like do you have to drive your car to the the place down the road that you could walk there in 20 minutes well you talk about benefiting your your pocket. The other thing it does is it be- uh, benefits your waistline and everything totally. else, your mental health. Um, I, uh, when I quit my job at Baker, uh, I didn't have a vehicle. So mm-hmm. I had to start biking everywhere. And uh, um, when I was in Finland, I when I signed my contract, I didn't get given a vehicle. I got given a pedal bike. And I went, but it was awesome because the bike paths were as good, if not better, than the roadways. Mm-hmm. I just wish, it's one thing living in this part of the country is, A, we don't get, we get, what, four months, mm-hmm. roughly, mm-hmm. where where it's like you could physically do it. And so, you know, you go as a, 
like as a city, do you build the infrastructure so people can bike everywhere? Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the right answer because it's like, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like not only the pocketbook, but like mental health, physical oh, yeah. health, getting outside and like actually taking, you know, in Lloyd particular, biking across the city, if you hit the right pass, 20 minutes maybe. Oh, I, I don't know. Like maybe I'm, maybe it's a touch more than that. I can't see it being much more than that. Like I'd, I'd say 20 minutes. And maybe even less, right? And you can be across the city for the most part. It just doesn't have great bike paths. You got to be, you got to pick and choose. But getting outside and enjoying, you know, being outside and disconnected from a lot of, you know, physical movement. Like Mm. after being stuck where we've been stuck, physical movement, man, like everybody's missed that. This past winter, like it was the longest fucking winter that I think I've ever experienced. It just wouldn't relent. We had minus 40 for what felt like, you know, two, three weeks in a row, followed by like just the longest, darkest days. Oh, I never, you know, it's like, I never want to go back there ever again. Right. But uh, going to your, do you have to drive your vehicle everywhere? Um, the side benefits of, of um, the answer is no, you do not. Mm-hmm. But the side benefits of uh, getting a little bit out of your comfort zone is, is, uh, mental health money um you might find that you enjoy hopping back on the bike like uh, being on the bike is this it's a ton of ton of fun going about it that way oh yeah and it's so sociable as well you know like um the amount of conversations i've had on this trip and just as a cyclist around town with people as you're passing by you know is great you can't do that in your little metal bubble you know People think I'm weird when I roll down the window to ask someone a question in the car next to me. But like, it'd be so much easier if we were on bicycles. Um, But yeah, yeah, so much easier. The thing that cracks me up about living over here, though, is that like anytime I'm in a new area and I'm not sure where I'm at and I go into a shop or something, I'm like, oh, I'm looking for this place. Is it far? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's like a five minute drive. I'm like, no, but like to walk it, I'm on foot. And they're like, oh, God, yeah, no, I wouldn't walk that. It's like a good good 25 minutes <laughs> i think i can hack it thanks i'll give it a go <laughs> it's just such a different perspective you know because canadians will like drive for 13 hours whereas europeans are like well we should that's going to take three days to get there you know but to walk 20 minutes yeah we don't want to do that do it. it is a strange thought isn't it because mm. literally canada is such a giant you know well here uh, you know, oh, my my wife's parents, Minneapolis, right? So mm. giant city. And uh, where we went to college, is about three and a half hours. Ah, it's just too far. And I mean, where we're living right now to get to the city is like a solid two hour drive. And yeah. we, we'll do that and back in a day. And it's just like, it's just what it is. Like you just do that here because you really have no choice. This is the entire country. It's giant. You want to drive across it? All right, let's go. You know, get in the vehicle and, and away we go. But you're right. You want to walk how far? It's like, well, it's not, it's not that far. Yeah, it's gonna take us a little bit of time, but I mean, get out and enjoy the sun. Oh, totally. Yeah, and actually, going back to your cycling thing, there was a a, a survey done of level of satisfaction and mental health and everything amongst um, people commuting to work, and they found that at at the top level, it was cyclists. They got into work because you were more or less within a couple of moments able to accurately you know, predict when you'd arrive in work and time it out accordingly. Behind them were people who walked to work for very same reasons. And they're coming in jacked on like endorphins, you know, yeah. you've already done your exercise for the day. And then behind them, I believe were drivers and behind them were 
public transit users, you know. Really? Yeah, because um, I guess because you're at the behest of the of the schedules and if I didn't something mind, gets canceled, you know, um, I may have that backwards now. That's a bit of a caveat. I know. I I never mind public transit. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, yeah, if I can't cycle, I'll use public transit. I mean, maybe not Edmonton ones if you're gonna get like bed bugs. <laughs> it's kind of sketch, but I used it for the first two years, and as in Edmonton, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, I've never been bothered by public transit here in Lloyd. We don't have public transit, right? Like it's not at all, at all. Wow. Like you have cabs. Yeah. And um, their border city connects is for people like elderly and mm. disabled mm-hmm. so there's that but there's no like town bus that's wild yeah wow so yeah it's and and you go like uh, there's that's why i come back to like i, I don't want to rag on the city um because here we have our our you know they have the issues to deal with but like as a as a guy riding a bike there's not it's it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be, but at mm. the same time, it's not like I want to drive down Highway 16 because I really don't. Like sure. that isn't my cup of tea uh, at all um, to be going down there. Now, is it as bad as I make it out? I, I don't know, but you're getting all the traffic from Saskatoon to Edmonton mm. uh, going through and there's no bike lane or anything. And I'm not saying they should make a bike lane. I'm just I'm just pointing out the well, fact I'll that- Well, I'll just say that they should make a bike lane for you then. <laughs> They should have a bike lane, man. At the very least, like just like a piece of painted road. It'd be. I tell you what. Uh, with with the amount of uh, bikers that are like constantly, it's like it's a growing thing, right? Yeah. Like tons of people are biking. Uh, especially, you know, it's funny with the the electric bikes now being a, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're seeing more and more people do it. It's probably a matter of time before um, they have to really take a look at it, right? That's true. Yeah, because some of those things go really fast. Like, they're like moped speed, you know? Some of them you can take the governor off. I know. <laughs> I'm like, well, isn't it just like a motorbike then? Pretty much. Because, I mean, like, I don't know. I must be a purist when it comes to biking. <laughs> you know, and then those, isn't there like an actual license you need for a motorbike? So then there's people unlicensed driving the equivalent. Let's not get into ah! the semantics here. I feel like we're talking COVID rules. Oh, our- yeah, pish posh. <laughs> Now, if somebody wants to uh, support, follow along, find you, where do they go uh, to do that? Ostella.com with a zero. So zero Ostella.com. And there's two buttons you'll find. There's one for tour and then there's one for new releases. So if it's all tour specific stuff, just click that one. And then there's a whole thing on how you can donate money or um, become a tour sponsor or book me for a house concert or you know so if somebody uh hears this out and like let's go manitoba sure and they're like wait a second we can book you in and you can come right to our house and rock a gig there you'll do that absolutely yeah if it's feasible i mean if you're 500 kilometers away from the beaten path no i want you to ride the 500k (laughs) okay but i'll charge you a a trip fee for sure (laughs) 500 kilometers two ways (laughs) but like but no truly like yeah i'm gonna come to your show or to your house and play a show um so yeah it's just a question of like timing and when i get there and stuff so generally yeah people reach out and they express interest and then i'll confirm with them about two weeks out because it's more accurate from then and then they can start um putting the word out there with friends and family and um for the listener what i'll do is i'll put uh, i'll put the website in the show notes that way they, all they got to do is just 
click down in the you know Spotify, Apple, whatever, and boom, they can they can go right to your website. Appreciate you coming in and doing this. I wish you the best of luck across Canada, um, and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll get to follow along and 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 see where you you end up and how long it takes you and everything else. Thanks, million shoulders. A pleasure. Now, are you going to at least bust out the guitar? Do I get? Do I? Oh, I can. I just have it with me. Generally, I wasn't expecting to, but I can do that. What Would do you, you mean like to say? Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. I want what you want. Whatever you, whatever you wanna, whatever you wanna bust out here. That's a slick guitar. Yeah, this is a carbon fiber guitar that I bought um, specifically for this trip because I wanted something that wasn't something non wood that wouldn't react to weather and the amount of humidity that we've had as well. I'm really glad I have a metal guitar and not not a wood one that's gonna be warping. Sorry. Um, this song is called Linen. I wrote it um, inspired by an interview, in fact, that I heard when I was 16, uh, my dad was driving me to school. I went to a Sacred Heart school for 14 years, all girls uh, in Ireland, which was a riot. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, we were rocking up to school uh, one morning and this lady came on the radio and she was being interviewed. She was one of the last remaining residents of the Magdalene Laundries in Ireland. And if you're not familiar with the Magdalene Laundries, they're like Ireland's version of uh, the residential schools here. And the last Magdalene Laundry closed within the last uh, within a year of the last residential schools in Canada. Um, so ours were just for women, designed for fallen women in the community, prostitutes and anyone pregnant out of wedlock. And so this lady I was listening to being interviewed grew up in the adjoining orphanage for all the kids of the mothers that were brought in to be you know, uh, serve their penance. And uh, so this little girl was growing up in the orphanage and uh, she had a best friend who was a boy in the orphanage. And unbeknownst to her, the nuns were looking at her being like, Oof, she's going to be just like her, her mother if we don't do something. So all of a sudden this little boy lost his best friend out of nowhere because she'd been put into the laundries herself for having done nothing. And tragically, the little boy ended up having a job as a delivery boy for the clean linens that she was preparing within the building, never knowing she was inside there. And so the interviewer asked her that morning, she was like, well, did you ever find your friend again? She's like, no. And so the interviewer said, well, you know what? This is being broadcast nationally this morning. Hopefully maybe you might reconnect. And I thought nothing more of that interview until 2018 I sat down to write a song. I was trying to write a Queens of Stone Age song. But I just t taught myself how to play guitar like nine months before that. So I only had four chords and you can't do much of a Queens of Stone Age song with four chords. So uh, this this memory just bubbled up out of nowhere. So I wrote a song kind of as an ode to them for the relationship they could have maybe had as like a secret rendezvous at the very least. But this is all about not losing sight of the one thing that pulls you through the darkest of times. This is Lennon. Thank you. 
Wish I had my sister's strength to wait Deep blue innocence of all the saints But you came to me like a tidal wave My flowing hair was heaven to behold Taken for the sins that never would unfold A secret hidden from the light of day You got me you got me, you got me, you got me hanging on. Oh, 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 oh. you got me hanging on. Oh, 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 you got me hanging on. You got me hanging on. Mother, please, I'm good as I can be All these years I should have got a name for me But I'll keep dreaming till I fade away You got me, you got me, you got me You got me hanging on, oh, 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 oh. You got me hanging on, oh, oh, oh. But your love is careless now and I'm afraid We can't take this back We can't take this back My head is filled with thoughts of me and you Linen kisses all around the back at noon We can't take this back We can't take this back I pressed your linens now and gone to bed Salvation in my head, go between my legs We can't take this back We can't take this I think I have maybe the coolest job on the planet. <laughs> I mean that seriously. Thank you so much for uh, making Lloyd a stop and uh, making me one of your stops. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here.